You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is your host, Stephen Roach. This is episode 11. This episode comes in tandem with a very special date for me this year, which is the one-year anniversary of Songs of Water's album release of Stars and Dust. Stars and Dust is the band's third full-length album and is a project that was hard fought to accomplish. We took close to three years crafting this work. It began with six composers, a new producer, I think over a hundred files of song ideas, which we called down to 18 potential songs, and then finally the 10 songs that ended up on the album. For those of you who have followed Songs of Water's music for the past several years, you probably recognize that Stars and Dust not only expresses a particular maturity to the sound the band has crafted, but in many ways embodies a lot of unexpected twists and turns and departures from previous works. So for the celebration of this anniversary, I wanted to share some of the songs from the album with you, as well as some behind the scenes reflections on the creative process of making this album. I got together with two of my co-writers from the band, Greg Willette and Elisa Cox, and we reflected on the making of this album. And so my hope is that in hearing some of our creative process, it will encourage and inspire you to keep pushing the limits and to persevere in your own creative works. This is Blood from the Quill, conversations on the making of Stars and Dust. Basically, we became a new band between the release of The Sea is Spoken and the release of Stars and Dust. Yes. And... Our first, well, yeah, our first, like, full-on vocal album. Which was a big deal. we had lots of lyrics and stuff. And it was always really scary for me because we had so identified ourselves as an instrumental band yet at the same time i was this closet poet that was waiting for (laughs) some way to get more of those lyrics out there but i just you know i didn't know how that was that was a big deal but then adding like the accordion and the wind instruments that john plays the flutes and all that i think this album was more of a successful collaboration than anything we've done before maybe you know Maybe not like the height of what our collaboration could be, but The Sea is Spoken was more like, you've said it before too, it was more like a live, We it was recorded so much more in the moment, mm-hmm. and then we added arrangement and production elements around it, but it was more like live, you know, we recorded it um, in a week. Most of it was recorded in, in Nashville in a, in, a, in a week, but with this one, it was like such a patchwork quilt, you know? It was like we didn't even know what we were making until six months before the album came out. You but, know? I'm, and this might be hard, but what I remember from CS Spoken is more jam sessions. Right. What I remember from Stars and Dust is more hashing out <laughs> conceptual ideas I, well, and not playing any instruments as much as we yeah. thought about style, influence, characteristics. Yeah arrangements, yeah. compositions, we fought with each other yeah. to find tough. a place that, to, that we would, could agree on for yeah. each song, and, and then we played it. 
as opposed to like yeah as opposed to just like it all being about you know gleefully playing music right we were like really cerebral in our approach to like how this album came about I mean just to be honest yeah and then and then you know working with the producer on top of it added even more of that yeah well I think that's sort of what I mean when I say we were reinventing ourselves as a band through the process is because for me it was like we all had these different elements that we had discussed conceptually we wanted to see like whether it was more lyric or whether for me I wanted the percussion to take a different approach rather than just ethnic percussion or whatever adding the strings the corner whatever like for me that was a very intense part of the process was just in real time figuring out these songs and at the same time really re-identifying ourselves as a collaboration you know mm-hmm. uh, I still think it was like authentic so with the sea of spoken that was a different aspect of who everyone was and then yeah. with this album it was i mean it's completely different than any of the other songs of water albums right so listen to stars and dust i hear all the elements that from the previous albums we were reaching for you know whether it's the hammered dulcimer or our collaboration you know songwriting wise or you know just some of the more experimental elements or like i still hear the dna but i hear something completely new that i think in some ways was even surprising for us when it came out alone kind of yeah. like by ourselves and then go to the studio throw it in the mix and then hope that the next person would be vibing on the same yeah I mean that's, know, train, that's true like we really this album is not a collaboration in the way people <clears throat> traditionally think of a collaboration it's very a lot isolated. of it a lot of the part a lot of the songs themselves or the foundations of the songs were written in solitude by each member yeah and then and then brought to be reviewed by the producer and fellow members and then uh, therein torn apart or built yeah. back to uh, put back together so I mean that's a strange way to make an album it was a very strange is, is in, in, in some ways it makes it feel um, it, was, it was very you know the, the one song that did not follow that process is strangely beautiful mm-hmm. And what was interesting about that song is that the whole arrangement from where we used to play it, where, from where it first came from, acoustic guitar, vocal duet, you know, just a real simple folk song, and then everything that made it on the album for that song was tracked in one day, mm-hmm. you know? And the it's whole- It's funny, I, I hear it carrying that energy too. Yeah. Sometimes when I listen to it, I feel like that's the only song it carries. Carry that together. same, yeah, yeah. That same, that, it, I can feel the collaborative 
in studio yeah. performance yeah. more than I can in any than on any other song. I think of all the songs on the album that had the longest journey and almost didn't make the cut is Ghost. 
Yep. And um, <laughs> Ghost first started out is just I wrote it on mandola with the lyrics, completely different vocal melody, completely different tempo. Oh yeah. And you had it. It was called Mannequin. Mannequin. The, the song was called and then, Mannequin, and then we switched it from there. And then Luke and I were writing it and uh, song lines. Song lines. It, it became yeah. song lines, and then that took a turn, and it became like this Indian viola <laughs> bass. You have to talk about why, like, why did that <laughs> happen? I really liked the Indian viola bass. The one. Indian viola bass <laughs> version was good, but it was like we hit a brick wall and we couldn't get over it. And Why did we hit a brick wall? Well, I, 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 we just got to a point where it's like the end was too happy clappy or something. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Well, there was there was a bunch. There were so many components to the journey of that yeah. song. I mean, one, you, it was originally written probably maybe years before the album, even, right? Or at least a snippet of it was. And then you brought it to the table, and then Luke took it home, <laughs> worked on it in a completely sort of different style right. for it, yeah. and brought it back to you, yeah. and you had mixed feelings of four, but then right. sort of slowly came to enjoy, yeah. and then you kind of, it morphed a little bit more after that, and then... Then I vocalized. I did not like the ending. Yeah, it was happy clappy. Happy clap. You had hippy dippy. Oh, yeah. He did I, have I, some hippy dippy. It was too much patchouli in that. I had version. too much hippy dippy in the end, and so, <laughs> and so for a long time, it just sat in that place. Of, yeah. Uh, it didn't feel like the right style yeah. for the album. No, it didn't. But we all still liked so something we, we about knew, it. Yeah, we knew there was a seed in there that was worth fighting for. If if we just kept going, but I had I had no clue, and I think the turning point was one day Luke went to the studio by himself, and you guys stripped the song back to a piano and a cello, yeah, and then we built it up from there, and then what came out was this. I don't know how it got from there, but it, for me, the only influences I can cite is it feels like this very Prince meets Peter Gabriel meets Songs of Water. Thing, you know that and now ghost is one of my favorite songs that I actually the the main melody line in ghost was originally a melody I was writing for evergreen and we ended really? up we ended up switching it it didn't work in evergreen so <clears throat> but I love it now but at some point that song was about to be abandoned as well it was it was it was basically a day away from being cut from the album. I mean, in a sense that that, that song is a good example of <clears throat> uh, the conceptualizing aspect of this album, where the mm-hmm. not giving in, like we we knew, like it was a good song, but we would not let that style be on the song. So we yeah. had to like, mm-hmm. we had to change it. Yeah. And then nobody knew how to change it until eventually we just kept beating at it and beating it down (laughs) or crafting it until finally it got to what we wanted but I mean what was that thing we wanted that's the weird thing is we all kind of had an idea or at least some of us had an idea of what this album should sound like even in the process even before it was like oh we made an album and it sounds great there was there was some kind of compass that was driving us towards a particular style and it showed forth in that song because to the point where we were about to cut it because yeah. of the hippy dippy feel, right. but we were like, yeah, you know, we kept we kept going until we got. I don't know what that sound is, but yeah. it was the sound we all knew 
triggered something in us to say that this is the this is point it. where we can stop now. This is good. We're going to take it yeah. and go with it. I think one of the beautiful things about ghosts, the way that it turned out, is that for me, and maybe this is even what you're saying, is it, it becomes like the center point of the whole album because it encompasses all of the different elements of the record. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I loved about it is that the vocals in that song, it has a really strong poetic element but it is so non-invasive and the lyrics don't drive the song the lyrics are an element added to the music mm-hmm. but it, even with the title ghost the lyrics themselves play a very wispy uh subdued part of the song even though when you, you read them they're powerful i feel like but they're only in the first half of the song and then the rest of the song mm-hmm. you know is expressed just instrumentally and so for me, it was like hearing um, those really surreal elements that Luke brought with the lap steel and the guitars, as well as the violins and the, um, you know, uh, the vocals. You think at the end were all him? Yeah, that was all. That was Luke's idea. And then, because uh, we originally had another verse there at the end that, that was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, rocking a little bit too much flower power. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
I will say for me, the thing that this process really forced me into was just the whole vulnerability of creative collaboration. Because it's scary, and it, and sometimes it really sucks. Like, who wants to put your stuff out there for scrutiny from other people that you respect, but you know that even though you respect them, you may have a completely polar opposite view right. on the song, you know? And, and even though we each appreciate one another as writers, it still doesn't take away the fact that we view things differently and what hits us may not hit the next person the same way. And there was a lot of vulnerability that we had to go through on this album. It was like for for three years, two and a half years, however long this was, we're just putting ourselves out there over and over again, not really knowing, you know, what's going to come up. But I, but I think for me, it made me a stronger writer. I think that through this process, it made me say, you know, it's okay, you know, the whole creative process is putting yourself out there and being willing to take a risk. And um, and we all did that. And I think, you know, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But the, the 10 songs that we chose, I think each one of them are strong in their own right. I don't think we put any filler on the album, yeah. you know. So which part of the album made you the angriest? <laughs> oh. well, like, what, like what, what, was it one of those days where you were doing all the violin tracks where you kind of just felt overwhelmed the writing process for all the different parts because since we were all writing it separately you know and I my strings were basically just a beautiful addition to each song they never really drove a song per se um, so like when I was writing the string parts for She's Only Sleeping it took a year because the song kept changing directions and you know it was hard to write without knowing where I was going and then trying to work with John and not step on his beautiful wind and flute and all that um, I think that was the hardest part but then finally when it was finished when all was said and done I was very did you feel like you were flying blind with that yeah I mean I had to change it every few months <laughs> or like uh, take it in stride so like with that song there's a lot of different phrases and sections and so you know if there was one section that just got completely cut I'd be like well can I use this string part somewhere else then or you know and then the recording process was long and tedious but <laughs> it was fun never been in orchestra by myself so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Summer was the song that our producer 
demanded be on the album and he was like if you guys don't put this on the album you're completely you're completely crazy I'm quitting I'm not doing this album and then it was the one song that everybody for the most part or the majority of the band was like heck no this what are you thinking this is this is a cool song maybe for a Stephen Rook solo album or something but like how is this a Songs of Water song I don't get it and you know I'd written it on classical guitar initially and then um, we eventually transposed it to the Camelagoni and I think that was a big turning point when other people started coming aboard. You were always I with me on it. You were, you were the one person I mean, that you was... Came to, you came to us with your acoustic guitar and you just sang it for us and played it for us. Yeah. And I was I fell in love with the song, yeah. so I had no problem with it at all. Yeah. Well... It took the longest journey, and I think part of it was that, you know, many of our songs have been this, like, um, uh, you know, almost, for lack of a better term, like a, a like a very journey-based experience. You know, a lot of them are deep and contemplative, and uh, minor key, and then here's, like, Golden Summer that's just, like... Wow, you know, all out there. It's kind of, ha- it's it kind of an happy and lighthearted. Yeah. You know, it's in a major key, and uh, I think it, <laughs> that's I, so different for it, all it was of very you. different. We for were all of you. I'm yeah. always kind of sunshiny. But in <laughs> hindsight, having pressed through, that song has become one of the funnest songs to perform live, it and I think, the I think, I think everybody finally came around to that one too. It does so. have that going for it. It's a summer song too, and we're like right here in summertime. Another song that, along with Golden Summer, it was actually another one that that Michael, I would say, more than the whole crew, was kind of like. But then he felt the same way about Golden Summer. It was the ironic part. Yeah. yeah. But it was just, it just had that lighthearted, dreamy kind of, yeah. you know, thing. So he was against that. I can't remember. Not against it, but not I mean, against it. But it, it was like it, one it of was the, an eyebrow raiser. Both of those songs. He, those two. They're so happy. <laughs> they're very happy, very whimsical, very uh, you know, fairy tellish. <laughs> uh, you know, and I think uh, that's very interesting because he, at the same time, is always like, "Why is everything so dark and brooding?" <laughs> then we then we roll happy, and it's like you know.
there's some songs that I think were just hidden away for so long that it was a real pleasure to see them come to the surface, be appreciated, be worked on, uh, see people give their own you know, creative effort and ideas towards making them come you know, in, into their fullness. That was a real joy to watch happen. And I mean, I think it's a real honor to have, I think for anybody in the band, and especially for me to have, you know, anything that I've kind of wrote on or put together in the past, like be appreciated by other people. I mean, that's a real honor, you know, and and to the point of wanting to take it into their own and make it, make it something beautiful. And so, yeah. I think that's the beauty of this album, you just said it, is that us bringing this little seed of, of creative inspiration to the table and then having a group of people come around it and make it something bigger than any one of us could have ever done, yeah. you know? Because, I mean, we all brought ideas to the table, but I think seeing those ideas being taken up by other people that fight or that are fighting for your own you know, songwriting, your own creative expression, and making it bigger than than you could have ever made it by yourself. That's that's the beauty of this. Because I can write songs all day long. Each of us mm -hmm. write songs all day long, all the time. But then when you get in that group and other people bring their perspective to it, it's like it really, you know, beauty is bigger than the sum of the parts. It's like it becomes something much more expressive than each of us could have done on our own. few songs that we had pre-written before we started the process that matter of fact yes. stars and dust and ash if i'm not mistaken were the only two songs that we had actually performed live going into the album is that right um, oh, yeah, yes but that came later stars but, but stars and dust and ash were two of the older ones ash did not change kiriskiro didn't really change but stars and dust Totally changed. Totally changed. Like when we first did <laughs> Stars and Dust, it was like America. It was like Americana. Oh, hey, like there's another Mandela. battle that happened. It was a battle because it was, it was like a, tempo, dude, Americana. Was, like because I wrote similar. it as a little Americana. Oh, yeah, you you you, were, you that was your baby Americana <laughs> vibe. You didn't want to let go of the vibe. Nah, but you know, dude, that was hard. That took you. Probably. I mean, that might have taken the whole album process right there. It, so. it, could well, take, it could have took a couple months just for you to get over the fact that it wasn't going to have that mandolin in the beginning. The mandola, yeah. Yeah, maybe it was. I, you know, but we're all creatures of <laughs> comfort. Like, we're all creatures of having... Just be real. You know, I, I'm being real. It's like, you get used to it. something. Yeah. Oh, just the look. I can still see the look on your face when Elijah was just like... Mandola's gotta go, bro. And you were just like this look of just death in your eyes. No. Well, you know, I guess the thing I've learned too through this process is that um, really the song, and this is this was Elijah's point from the beginning, is that the song itself can exist 
if it's a good song, it will exist on its own without any of the coloring instruments that you add to it. You know, it's like, what is the song when a you... A good song can morph style. Yes. It's like you can dress it any way you want. And for me, I had seen it dressed one particular way for several years. That was the one song we had performed and it, it, it worked. It had an identity. And now here we are. And at that point, we had no idea that was going to become the title track. You know, and... Uh, but I, I can say that in hindsight, that song, the integrity of the song is still there, and I think even more so than with the mandola part and the way we originally were performing it.
Kiriskiro is epic. It's like it encompasses the total cinematic side of Songs of Water, as well as to me, I think I'm partial to Kiriskiro because I may have mentioned it earlier too, but in the process of this, I was coming to a place even with percussion where I had made my statement with ethnic percussion and I wanted where can I go from here? And in that middle section, right, right between the the first part to the yeah. to the the end of the song, it goes into that whole industrial found sound kind of. I love that. As simple as it is, um, I just I love the humble beginnings of that song.
honestly, sometimes I genuinely believe that these songs have lives of their own. It's like they're these little living entities or whatever, you know? And it's like we're more stewards than authors. It's like, you know, all of these songs have their own personalities, their own identities, and sometimes it's more of a journey of discovery than it is like I have this cool idea that I'm bringing to the table. You know what I mean? It's well, like have, each song has a history and a story yeah, with it. Like absolutely. A whole novel can be written around each. And the book. story is its life, you know? Yeah. That sounds so epic. It does sound epic. It did. That's the money right there. We should record the rain. I was about to do that, girl. What? What? Yeah. what? <laughs> oh, that's pretty. What's interesting is that fruitfulness came out of both conflict <laughs> and mutual appreciation. That's some drop there. Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. If you'd like more information on Songs of Water, you can go to makersandmystics.com or songsofwater.com. Thanks again for listening.